Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to begin this episode by turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 16, a passage in which we're going to read about a building that God possesses. The passage says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Now in this passage that we just looked at, did you notice a number of different things said about the building of God? It was said to have a foundation, a very special foundation, and that it has builders who build upon that foundation. This is a most unusual building, for in it dwells the very Spirit of God. In view of these facts, and they are facts, This is a building about which we all should desire to know a great deal more. God's building in the first passage we looked at in verse 16 is called a temple. We know that this is not the only building to have been referred to as the temple of God. During the time of Moses, when the Israelites were given the law as they journeyed to the promised land, God instructed them to build a tent, which was called a tabernacle. In this tent, this tabernacle, Worship was to be conducted. In Exodus chapter 35, verses 10 and 11, we find, And let every skillful man among you come and make all that the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent, and its covering, its hooks and its boards, its bards, its pillows, and its sockets. We could go on, but the point I want to make is simply that this was God's tent, his tabernacle. Even the very things that were used in its construction were spoken of as being gods, as belonging to him. If we turn over to Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34, we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. When the tent was completed and raised up, a cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord filled it. After many years, King David desired to build a permanent house 
a building for the Lord, something that would replace the tabernacle. Now David was not permitted by God to do so, even though the plans of the temple were given to David. Later, David's son Solomon did indeed build a permanent house for the Lord. This was called the temple. It was here, rather than at the tent structure, that God met with his people when they worshipped. In Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 16, the Bible tells us, For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. This was the temple of God in Jerusalem, and it was a magnificent place indeed. This particular building was destroyed by the enemies of the people, but it was later rebuilt, although not to the same degree of magnificence as had been the beauty of Solomon's temple. But the temple was so very near and dear to the hearts of the people. However, as we go back to the passage with which we began in 1 Corinthians 3, in verse 9, a very interesting statement was made by Paul to the Corinthian brethren and by application to all Christians. He wrote, You are God's field, God's building. God's building spoken of by Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 was not the same stone and wood building that had comprised the various temples of the Old Testament, but it is referred to as the temple of God in verse 16. The building which is called a temple of God is the church of the New Testament. It is the church of which all Christians are a part. That the church is God's building today, that it is his temple, is further seen in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 19 through 22. There Paul wrote, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Paul made a statement to some of the philosophers and great thinkers of Athens that is recorded for us in Acts chapter 17 and verse 24. He said, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. When all of this is taken together, it becomes apparent that God dwells in a very special way today in his temple not made with hands. He dwells in the holy temple of the church, and that makes the church something very special indeed. My friends, consider first the foundation of this building, the temple of God, the church. The foundation of the building consists of Jesus Christ, and his apostles and prophets, with Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. This was prophesied back in Isaiah chapter 28 and verse 16, when the great messianic prophet wrote, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation firmly placed. He who believes in it will not be disturbed. Jesus declared that upon the great truth that he was the Son of God, he would build his church. Surely most of us remember the glorious words of Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. It tells us, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, 
for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father in heaven. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Remember the third verse of the passage with which we began this in this lesson, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Remember also we were in Ephesians chapter 2 and what was said in verses 19 and 20. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. But what about the materials that make up this building? The materials, my friends, of which the New Testament temple of God is built are Christians, faithful children of God. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 where Peter wrote, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In our initial passage in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12, we find Christians being described as gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, all built together in this building. Not all who become part of this glorious temple of God are going to be or remain strong and solid materials in it, and ultimately will be removed in God's own way. However, there is one thing that does not make up this building, a set of materials not used in its construction, and that is unbelievers. They are elsewhere. They are not in God's holy temple. There may be, and I am sure there are, weak Christians, may be best described as crumbling stone, but there are no unbelievers in God's building. In Ephesians 4:16, where the church is described as a body rather than as a building, we find that the mortar that cements the whole thing together, or the ingredient that ties it all together, is love. Look at what Paul wrote in verse 16. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. What are the builders of God's building, the church? Who are they? Jesus Christ built his church according to Matthew 16 and verse 18. However, there are others who build on the foundation which has been laid and upon the work that has been done. That is the very message of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Go back to that passage and let's look at verses 9 and 10, where once again we read, For you are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder I laid a foundation, and another is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. The truth is that there are many builders. In fact, in a very real sense, all who teach the gospel to others are builders of this glorious building of God. Now, consider the pattern for this building. The work of building must be done according to the pattern. That has always been true of God's buildings. Back in the book of Exodus, as God gave Moses instructions for the building of the tabernacle, notice what he told him in, verse, in chapter 25 and verse 40. 
and see that you make them after the pattern for them which was shown to you on the mountain. When Solomon went about the task of building the first permanent temple to God, he was required to do it according to the pattern. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 10 through 12, and then also verse 19, we find, Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be courageous and act. Then David gave to his son Solomon the plan of the porch of the temple, its building, its storehouses, its upper rooms, its inner rooms, and the room for the mercy seat, and of the plan of all that he had in mind, for the courts of the house of the Lord, and for all the surrounding rooms, for the storehouses of the house of God, and for the storehouses of the dedicated thing. Skipping down now to verse 19. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the details of this pattern. My friends, the same holds true for the Lord's building today, for the temple of God today, which is the church. It too must be built exactly according to the pattern which is shown in the New Testament. That is the very point the Hebrew writer was making in Hebrews chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 when he wrote the following, who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle, for see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mount. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. Building today according to the pattern involves teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and all that it contains concerning the work, worship, and even the organization of the Lord's temple, the church. When people hear, believe, and obey his teaching as far as what to do to be saved, and to be added to this glorious building, they are added and become stones in its construction upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, and the apostles. Further teaching develops these living stones and adds others to the building. This is the whole process demonstrated in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 16. I remember a discussion that I had with a woman in Hillsboro, Ohio. She was not a Christian, and sadly her marriage was falling apart. I spoke to her about God's pattern for the marriage relationship, and she said to me, that doesn't work. My response was that if an architect designed a building and it collapsed after being constructed, only to have it discovered that the plans of the architect had not been followed in its construction by the builders, the fault did not lie with the architect. It was upon the shoulders of the builders. I urged her to study with me along with her husband that they might come to understand the blueprint for marriage designed by its very architect, God. When God's plans for the construction of his temple, his church, are deviated from today, whatever is built will not be delivered up to God the Father when Jesus returns because it will not be the church of the Lord. It will not be God's holy temple. Finally, a warning is given in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 3. Paul wrote, If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. God's building, the church, is defiled today much like the earth was defiled in the days of Noah. 
When the earth was defiled by sin, God destroyed the civilization that then was. Sin was what defiled it, and sin is what will defile the church of God today. There are a host of ways that sin can enter in. False teaching, sinful living being tolerated, innovations in worship, ungodly, unchristlike attitudes manifested toward one another. All of these things and more can teach about the consequences of verse 17. It is no wonder that Paul wrote in verse 10, but let each man be careful how he builds upon it. But just think about it. Being part of the temple of God, the building of God, the church of Christ, as a living stone, and being able to add more stones by teaching others the gospel of Christ. What a privilege and a blessing that truly is. Thanks for listening.